Hey, you damn guys, it's John up top. We're about to get into our interview with Adam Hughes. We started right off the bat talking with Adam, and uh, we got some cool information right before the interview started, so I just wanted to include that in the episode. I hope you guys enjoy. We only had the morning. Like, Monday, we had all day to go back and forth between... I see, Disney, okay. Disney. But t- Tuesday morning, I was my wife was getting a spa treatment, uh, yes. like, around 12.30, and uh at our hotel and i, I was, was meeting say, my Disneyland o- have spas that's so cool <laughs> well no they- <laughs> yeah it's, it's i i refer to it as the disney princess massage parlor excellent um, no they they have a, a we, we stayed at the resort hotels oh nice they've got a spa and they've got this that and the other thing so while she was you know being rubbed by strangers i was actually <laughs> at the hotel bar getting afternoon drunk hanging out with my old boss yes. from dc comics nice oh that's, that's cool. excellent that sounds awesome what a great vacation what did you guys talk about at the bar what was that conversation like well you know he's no longer <laughs> with D- he's no longer with dc and i don't do a lot of work for them because i made the mistake when i when i took this disney job 13 months ago because uh, i haven't had a real job with like bosses and and pay stubs and and <laughs> sure. you know, time cards since i worked in a mall in new jersey in 1988 <sighs> Oh wow! <laughs> so, I I was still under this deluded impression of a of a teenager from the '80s that like transparency is good when getting a new job, and oh. I made the mistake oh, no. of I, I made the mistake of asking Disney uh, Human Resources like you know um, okay so what are the rules about me doing you know comic book work after my forty hours a week are done, and <clears throat> it was like Captain Kirk talking a computer into self destructing. They, your heart. they were just like, why would you want to? Does not compute. And by the time it was done, I was allowed to do Marvel Comics stuff, but not DC Comics stuff. Right. Uh, and if I if I kept my mouth shut, I could have been doing anything. So I just right, like, right. Oh, um, no. But no, me and my old boss, we talked about um, we didn't talk about DC Comics or what it's become these days. Uh, he and I are working on a special project that um, has not been announced yet. I don't know if you guys know him. His name is Mark Chiarello. He's one of the world's greatest illustrators. Oh, yes. yes. And, Mark, Mark Chiarello worked on one of some of the early Hellboy comics. Yes. Also, yes. Yeah. Yes. He, co- he colored. He colored uh, Seed of Destruction yeah. and uh, a bunch of the early shorts that like, you know, when, when it first came out. And um, Mark was the art director at DC Comics when I uh, started doing covers. I've been at DC since before he got there. I've been DC, at DC since 89. But when he got there, he asked me at a con, you know, he said, do you know anybody I could get to, who could do Wonder Woman covers? And my girlfriend at the time, you know, was like, you, say you, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I was like, I was like, I'll do it. And he's like, you want to? A regular cover Amazing. gig? And it was like, yeah. So like, you know, because he's such an amazing illustrator and painter, you know, some people get their jobs and they're in charge of artists and they're not qualified, but they're, they're somebody's nephew or they're, um, and they, they they have the dumbest, the dumbest editorial (laughs) input. You know, they will they will say things like uh, change this. Um, I, I don't like I don't like purple. My mother wore purple. And, and you, and you, I, no and color you look, theory involved. Just yeah. I don't know about this purple here. Yeah. But then you sit there and say, but it's the Hulk's pants. 
<laughs> they have to be purple, you know? Um, so, but Mark, whenever Mark would tell me to change something or he would suggest an alteration, I wouldn't even think twice about it. Cause I knew that he knew better than me. Aww. And now, <clears throat> you know, we've been friends for 20, 30 years. Um, we're doing a project, which I can't say what it is, Exciting, but, though. um, it's, uh, in a strange, weird twist of fate, I'm writing it and he's drawing it. Okay. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. How about that? Nice. Yeah. Awesome. That's exciting. So when you see the news, when it's finally announced, we're in the, we're in the, you know, finally getting the contracts worked out. As soon as it's announced, you'll go, oh, that's what Adam was, was coyishly, you know, uh, coyishly <laughs> alluding to. Nice. Well, you somewhat so. heard it here, folks. Yes. We're very <laughs> excited. Great. We're very Great. excited. Welcome to the Vague Podcast. Yeah. Hellboy comics and talking to our friends. Hellboy book club. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with Aubrey Loveless. I'm Danielle. And my name is Adam Hughes. Yay! Wow, Adam is on the show. Thank you so much, Adam. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. I um. Uh, I was alerted to the presence of your podcast by my old friend Mike Oming, uh, he of Powers fame. Yeah, wow. He knew I was having a bad day, and he said, "You need to check out this podcast because they threw you some Hellboy love." And uh, uh-huh. I listened, I listened to it, and I was like, "Oh, they, 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 they're very nice, but they also caught virtually everything I tried to do. They actually like, they weren't just like, yeah, nice, uh, it's good, good, good <laughs> right hand of doom, nice boobs. They weren't. They actually." <laughs> They actually like caught a lot of the things that I, I tried to throw in there for the slightly more you know alert, hyper you know over caffeinated reader who who <laughs> scans the panels looking for clues. And that's when I reached out to you guys and said, "Hey, if you ever want to talk about my handful of Elboy projects, I'd love to." I'd love to participate. Yeah, which was so kind of you. Thank yeah, you for that. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Yeah. So as soon as you mess, as soon as you, I saw that message, I was like, "Let's put this together." So. Um, it's really excited to have you on. So obviously you've done Hellboy Krampusnacht and you've done the Seven Wives Club more recently. And you won the Eisner for, for Krampusnacht. What was that experience like? <laughs> well, I guess the check cleared because we got the, we got the award. Um, but, <laughs> no, it was very bizarre because I had had a few awards a decade or so earlier, maybe two decades earlier in my career. And I was like, well, I... I guess I'm past, you know, award season. And the, the next award I can look forward to is some sort of lifetime achievement. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you. Thank you for surviving 40 years in comics. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, we got the nomination and I was like, oh, wow, that is amazing. And, you know, Mike has had so many of his Hellboy right. stories, especially his one shots nominated and win to him it was old news to me i was like oh i feel like a pretty pretty princess <laughs> neither of us attended the ceremony even though we were both at san diego amazing. and then ne- the next morning our editor came up and said here's your award and i was like <laughs> amazing that's so yeah. cool Incredible. that's I the way it. that's the way to do it yeah. that is cool um well it was well earned but but it seems like oh, yeah. um it, it, it seems like this was a project that you guys were, were kind of doing for fun, you know, that, that you had wanted to collaborate. And, you know, you've said in previous interviews that you're a fan of the Hellboy comics. And I, I just think it's cool to maybe think like something that you did that was for fun and then you end up winning this award for, you know, isn't that the way it usually happens? I guess. I guess I should do more fun stuff then. because yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, There's still a little empty, dusty space on my mantle. 
um, you know, How for, exciting for to be able to do that kind of labor of love thing of just yeah. be like, just to call up Mike or email Mike Mignola and be like, hi, I love Hellboy. Can I do some Hellboy stuff with you? Amazing. Well, there's a story there. Um, Let's hear it. I've, uh, oh, have you got time? Is this a podcast? Um, um, I've known Mike since the late 1980s when we were both working out of Andy Helfer's office at the old uh, DC Comics at 666 Fifth Avenue. And I I was doing Justice League America and Mike was doing uh, Gotham by Gaslight. Oh, wow. The Elseworlds, um, the Elseworlds Batman, you know, Victorian era story. And he introduced us and Mike showed me some of his original pages. And I was like, this is like the coolest stuff I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And that was the beginning of my love affair with Mike Mignola and his artwork. So I was there for Hellboy the, the minute it launched. I was just like, nice. bring it, bring, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, Mike and I would bump into each other over, over the decades, over the centuries. And <laughs> at San Diego 2016, I was premiering my first issue of Betty and Veronica. Um, I was, I got tired of living. So I decided to jumpstart the apocalypse and I hooked up with Archie comics to do the Betty and Veronica miniseries. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. And everybody was like, Oh, this is, you know, this is, this is ludicrous. This is just, you know, pandering to the male gaze and, and, um, yeah, but you know, I wrote it and I wrote it. I thought pretty, you know, there's only one bikini sequence in the whole miniseries. Yes. Yeah. um, No. Got to justify some people showing up. Yeah. But like at fine. that San Diego, at that, that time when I was doing San Diego every year, um, I stopped because of COVID. But like the little block of artists, uh, I was at one end and Mike was at the other side. So I would start every Wednesday, every preview night at the San Diego by going around the block, seeing what new stuff Mike ha- had to sell. T-shirts, posters, mm-hmm. new collections, his sketchbooks, whatever. And uh, there was there was one time where I tried to buy some stuff, and uh, he wouldn't take my money. Aww. And uh, his oh his teen his teenage daughter was standing there. You know, she's the one that wrote um, the, the, the wizard in the snake. Yeah, yeah, the magician yeah. in the yeah. And uh, so she's standing there, and I knew that she had, was just getting ready to start college. And I looked at her and I said, uh, I said, uh, you, you're going to college, right? And she said, yeah. And I handed her my money and said, here's money for liquor and drugs. Nice. And, <laughs> you know, and Mike's wife laughed and Mike just kind of, you know, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not taking cops from this guy. I want to, I want to shower him with my, with my, with my money. And, yeah, um, yeah. but because we were, you know, that, that was like the first time ever in my entire career that I had done a San Diego where I had a book launch that Wednesday. I mean, that, that day, Betty and Veronica number one came out and Mike, who is a fairly inscrutable character. So you really can't figure out where he's coming from at any time. Mike said, well, I guess now that you're a writer, we should work together. And I kind of, I kind of squinted and looked off into the middle distance going, (laughs) does he mean he wants me to write something for him to draw? You know? And I just, I I just kind of shook my head like a half empty tin can full of pennies and went, okay. And, Late six months, six seven months later, the whole the whole uh, Betty and Veronica comic thing fell apart. I ended up, only ended up doing the first those first three issues. I wanted to do twelve, and I was just going, all right. Well, I guess it's back to being a cover artist. And my wife said, "Why don't you give Mignola a call?" Yeah. Oh, so nice. I, I gave. Your I, wife I threw seems my... to be the brains of the operation here so far. 
you know, can you edit that out? I don't want her to hear that. Like, when, she, when she listens to this, uh, you know, she, she's already a little too full of herself. So I'm just going to you know, uh, put the kibosh on that, you know. Um, but no, uh, so I emailed Mike and I said, hey, I suddenly have a, a, a availability in my schedule. And within a day, he came back and said, well, I've got this story about Hellboy having dinner with the Krampus knocked. Or the, with the, excuse me, with the Krampus. And um, I don't know, would you, and this is how Mike totally rolls. He's like, would you, would you want to try? You know, and I was like, I read the script and I, <laughs> I, I so, you know, well, first off, what's, what's your language restriction on this podcast? No, everything no, yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah, explicit. <laughs> okay. I read the story and I shit my pants off. <laughs> uh, it was like, holy crap. I, I'm reading a Hellboy story that nobody else has read. That was my first impression. That was like, oh, I wasn't wow. sitting going, uh, uh, yes, yes, I shall employ this particular, you know, color theory for the interiors. I was like going, oh boy, I've got a secret that nobody else knows. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. That's great. It was great. And, uh, you know, uh, that was the start of the first one. And, you know, I took a little too long to work on it because, um, I suffer from anxiety now. I was diagnosed in 2014, and th- some things take a little longer than others. And I really wanted Krampus Knock to be a good book. And I think Mike likes to get stuff done quick. I think Mike <laughs> gets get Mike gets bored quickly. So he's get, I think he was tired of waiting for me to be finished. And uh, we did the whole Krampus Knock thing. And uh, there was only one time in the entire process where I got a response out of him. You know, he's like that Mike Mike is like that withholding parent that like <laughs> never never expresses themselves and then one Christmas they give you a carton of cigarettes and you just feel loved, you know. <laughs> so Mike Mike, um when I handed in the splash page in Krampus Knock where the old man who I, I referred to as um the Grampus, uh, Grampus when yeah. he when he when he when the old man turned into the Krampus on that page turn it's a splash page of him standing there with the the curio cabinet full of children's skulls when i handed when i handed that page in mike actually emailed back going wow like bobby brady he was just like wow and i was like (laughs) i was like that's the most i'm gonna get out of this cat that is i'm never gonna get a a higher affirmation than that well earned as well because that page is yeah yeah. that page is amazing well and it's gone on to become like a mini for the hellboy game and then even a statue right yeah they sent me one of the statues i was very excited nice Um, that's really cool yeah yeah i put that on the mantle uh and i'll get rid of it when there's more awards um (laughs) but, but we did it and it came out everybody seemed to like it and what was really interesting is when it came out and around Christmas of 2017, I believe it was, I, I was having a little bit of trouble getting work, you know, and I, I was like, am I over the hill? Have people forgotten about me? Or are they, do they does everybody just assume that I'm, I'm always full? I'm always oh, full up right, on assignment. Oh, right, that's your, mm. huh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I, I did, I believe by my account, 18 or 19 interviews, all online for various websites that were going to like, you know, hey, Hellboy Krampus knocked is coming. Um, we have an exclusive interview with Adam Hughes. And, you know, I made with the big funny yuck yucks. I did this, that, and the other thing. But every interview always ends the same with like, hey, do you have anything else which you would like to promote? And right. I I actually trolled the the world of commercial art and said, no, I have nothing to do right now. I'm actually out of work. All right. And <laughs> within a week of Krampus Knocked coming out, I had my schedule more full than it had ever Amazing. been. Amazing. Wow. Uh, so 
And you know, like add to that's that. That's one way to do it. Well, you know, I I don't know if I have no pride or if I have no shame, but whatever it is, it works. <laughs> well, and, it was, it's probably like you said, everyone probably just thought, well, he's Adam Hughes. He's probably his his schedule's probably right, full. Yeah, yeah. And right. so no and, one, everyone thought that everyone else had contacted you. That's so funny. And you know, I don't want to be that that ego guy who thinks like that. I sit at home going, oh my god, I'm Adam Hughes. I should put on some pants. You know, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's about as introspective as I get in any given day. And um, unfortunately, it worked out. And then there was the glorious icing on the cake, which was the, the Eisner Award. And Mike's, Mike's was, Mike said, you know, they hate me. They, they, we're not going to win it. They, they, they hate me. You know? <laughs> oh, and I was, like, I, was, I was like, okay, you know, understood. Well, it's, it's just nice to be nominated. And uh, then we won. And Mike's response and this shows you just what, you know, no man is an island, but Mike Mignola is a peninsula. <laughs> this is, Mike is such a unique individual. Mike's response was not, hey, congratulations, or oh my goodness, you know, you know, you really did a swell job. His response was to say to me at the next San Diego in 2018, when I went to buy stuff from him around the block from my table, he's like, well, I guess we ought to do another one. Amazing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it, wow, Mike, that was like a mouth hug. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, um, and that's where Seven Wives Seven Wives uh, uh, Club came from. And it was, you know, it's just, Excellent. I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to understand my, you know, Mignola to English decoder ring a lot better than I used to. So <laughs> there you go. Mike says one thing, I go, okay. And that's what he meant. So, um yeah, it was just a very weird process of hooking up with like literally one of my art heroes, not once but twice. Yeah, wow. that's awesome. That's incredible. Um, so I, I, I was reading that you know in Seven Wives Club, you got to uh, contribute some of the story elements, like the setting, you know, for it to be in Savannah, Georgia. Did you have any input on Krampus Not uh, in terms of story or setting or anything like that? No, no, no. Uh, uh, the, all I had, the only thing I added. To Krampusnacht was little visual touches. You know, in all the Hellboy trade paperbacks at the time, before every story, there would be a little uh, one-page editorial by Mike going, yeah, and this one, you know, I gave Corbin, you know, X, and he gave me Y, and we ended up with Z, and I loved it, you know? And it's like, okay, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but... Um, <laughs> so I stuck very closely to what he did, but every time an opportunity presented itself that I could expand without altering the tone or whatever was going on i took it and either mike didn't notice or he just never said anything well i'm sure he expected some of that you know when you when he chooses to work with certain artists i'm sure that he does so expecting that you're gonna put your own you know personality into it and your own creativity into it I guess. I mean, I would say that about anybody else other than Mike Mignola. Because <laughs> none, none of none of us have the ability to fathom what goes on in his deep, dark mind, you know? Um, like, here's a good example. When Hellboy gets inside um, Grampus's little cottage, right. and there's a big there's a big table, you know, and Mike, Mike's only, only note for the entire scene was somewhere on the table of this repast of food that's being offered to Hellboy, there needs to be a knife because the knife factors into the climax of the story. Uh, so the rest of the room, I had whatever I wanted to do. I, I could do whatever I wanted. So I, I was doing my Krampus research and I, I read in, you know, I want, I want to say it was some profound tome of forgotten lore, but it was on Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 read, I read on Wikipedia, it said that um, in the history of, of Krampus, 
the the government of Austria in the 1950s tried to ban all the Krampusnacht celebrations, what? and it was a particular it was a particular political party. And of course, they mm. no, they're no longer around, but we've still got Krampusnacht. So, haha, who won? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they had a flag that was a their party flag, and it was you know their particular sort of you know symbol. That's the flag that's hanging over the fireplace right oh, and wow. it's 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 torn and tattered because it's been 20 30 years because the story took place in 75 i think um this political party was around in the 40s and 50s but like not a single person has ever gone what's that particular that that, that looks like it means something right right um another another thing i did was um thank you for pointing that out that's I know. fascinating it's a great yeah detail. it is <laughs> Oh, I love to, especially when you work slow like me and you spend most of your time scratching your chin and looking at the sky for inspiration. Um, you can come up with it. Like if I worked fast, it would just be blammo. Here's the stuff. Basics, you know, but like because I'm sitting there slowly rendering the right hand of doom so that it looks more like it's made out of pepperoni than than rock because <laughs> I'm nervously noodling on it. And uh, but I'll sit there and I'll go, hey, wait a minute. I've got some dead space in the corner of this panel. What could go in there, you know? And yeah. in some places, you know, in, in, the, in the Krampus legends, he would beat these, 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 you know, truculent little children with um, birch branches. He would bind, right. he would bind mm. the, bran the, the branches of a birch tree and, you know, with which to whack the wicked, as they say. So one, I drew when Hellboy first comes in, in the corner of the, of his first walking into the house, the, the little cottage on the left-hand side of the page, there's the silhouette of, birch branches tied to a um tied together and all that walking stuff through the forest in the first couple of pages mike was just like you know hellboy's walking through a snowy forest at night and i made the dumbass decision to go well i'll make it a birch forest because that's where the krampus gets all of his sticks oh right not realizing that drawing birch trees is literally the most soul-sucking thing i thought i could ever <laughs> volunteer for i was just like I was on page four or five of birch trees and I just turned to my wife and I said, get the hunting rifle and put me out of my misery. <laughs> Made a big mistake. Yeah. Made it's really mistake. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. Um, <laughs> they yeah. are visually striking though. I mean, and oh, it, yeah. it goes with the, the theme of the story. I mean, artistically it was a solid decision, yeah. but I'm sure right. that personally, that was something that, yeah, I can picture that easily. Yeah. I mean, you know, Robert Zemeckis, the, the great film director would always say, you know, pain is temporary, but film is forever. Mm. And, you know, it's like, okay, when you're looking at Krampusnacht, you cannot smell nor taste the saltiness of my tears from when I was drawing them. <laughs> <laughs> you can just sit there and go, hey, look at that. That actually works. That's kind of, that adds an ambiance that like, if I had just drawn a spooky forest from, you know, the Wizard of Oz or something like that, it wouldn't have quite the same impact. Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. That's that extra, you go that extra mile. And we appreciate it. I, I thank you for that. I thank you for that because um, I uh, we appreciate your sacrifice. My yeah, bring us this elevated. Really, book. yeah. Let's just talk about all the great artistic sacrifices in the history of of the visual arts and you know, Adam drawing birch trees. I'm sure that's going to be like number 90, 99 on a list of a hundred sacrifices. Um, golly. So at the end of the Krampus knot, there's the. Uh, the Christmas memories. I wanted to ask you about those. That's one of my favorite parts of the book. How did those come about? <laughs> it came about because the then editor of the book was like, um, okay, this is like a 24-page story, but we've got like four or five extra pages in the back. Oh, that <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
you know, it, it was literally like, like, you know, beautiful. You know, the the opera singer is off stage, so you go to the conductor and say, "Hey, could you busk for three minutes?" You know. <laughs> um, so they said, "You know, could you? We could do a we could do a sketchbook section, we could do a pinup section, whatever." And I came up with the idea because it was, you know, uh, there, there's no better kind of Christmas story than a Hellboy Christmas story. I said, yeah. "Why don't we do? Why don't we do Hellboy's Christmas photo album?" Aww. So the three illustrations were my idea. I was like, I want to do, I want to do Hellboy Jr. Cause I never got to draw him. I've always, I've Mike, Mike will never ever let me do this, but I've always wanted to do a Liz Sherman story. And oh, he's, yes. you know, you know, he hands me Krampus monsters and flaming yeah. ghost nurses. And I'm just like, you know, I, I just want to draw Liz, you know? Liz. Yeah. <laughs> and so that second one, which took place at sort of the golden, you know, the golden age of the BPRD gang, which was the nineties. Yeah. Um, you know, I was like, I w- I'm going to draw Liz. I'm going to draw Hellboy. You know, going to draw Abe. I'm going to draw. Oh golly, what's her name? Kate. Kate, Kate Corrigan. And um, you know, it was funny because I written. I originally wrote the the little captions. You know that you know when you write in like white ink in your black photo album. Yeah. I wrote, you know, something smells fishy, you know, really stupid. And oh. <laughs> Mike, Mike was like, no, that is completely not my brand of humor. That's completely wrong. And I said, okay. And he said, you know, why don't we have it say the year Abe got drunk? And I was like, of course, that's exactly the right tone yeah. for Hellboy. Yeah. And well, uh, I, I, he kept my caption for the Hellboy Jr. one. You know, I got my lobster Johnson Dakota ring. Um my favorite piece my favorite piece part of that one was Trevor Broom in, you know in his in his bathrobe and his slippers just yeah you know, he's like, <laughs> yeah he was like I've been asleep for 3 hours and you woke me up before the sun came up yeah and Amazing. um and I will say another another little uh in joke for people is on the on the far right side of that particular photo um the general who's sitting there with a cigarette, that's General Norton Ricker from the Pancake Story. Oh, wow. The Pancake yeah. Story. He's got the hat. You're absolutely yeah. right. That's he's so got the cool. hat, he's got the cigarette, and he's a two-star general. And I was like going, I'm going to put stuff in there for people, um, yeah. which, uh, you know, maybe they get, maybe they don't. But because um, I, I want to create that mystique that, like, now every time you see me draw a Hellboy story, you're going to be going over it with, like, a, like a um, yes. you know, a magnifying glass and, sure. like, you know google at hand um <laughs> your level of dedication to the lore is impressive yeah it's really nice well, well even on the the one where it says the the year abe got drunk you have manning in the background looking at his watch too like, right well how long is this party gonna be going you know yeah it's like are we um all right i would like somebody to do some work tonight it's, it is christmas <laughs> eve but you know and that that felt like on par for the character and i thank you for spotting that you know yeah. um the uh, oh, one of my sheep dogs has shown up. Um, oh, one of my dogs. They just got back from the kennel. They were away. At, they were at this lovely farm that they like to stay at. When um, well, I don't know if they like it, but it's where we make them go. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Yo, yeah, I know they do because when we drop them off, they are out of the car before the doors are completely open. <laughs> and they, do, I mean, it's like they do not want to live with us. They want to stay. They want to live at this farm where it's just fun, fun, fun. So, so, anyways, um. Then on the last page, it was just uh, Hellboy and Alice, and I just wanted it to be like they got maybe one Christmas together. Wow! And right. yeah. I, I, you know, and here's here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. Um, 
for years from like 1994 when Hellboy first, you know, sprung Sylph-like into the world, fully formed. Um, anytime there was any Hellboy that wasn't drawn by Mike, I ignored it. Um, I had I, I had a kind of mental starch block that prevented me from, I was like, that's not how Hellboy looks or <clears throat> even if Mike wrote it, you know, um, I just couldn't get into it. So I would just ignore it. And then there reached a point I can't I can't remember exactly if it was like I was I was hard up for some Hellboy action. You know, I was sitting there on the street corner tapping my tapping my arm going, hey, hey man, you, you told me Mike was going to be here. You know, um, <laughs> you got any more of those Hellboy all, comics? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, uh, hey, you know, um, I don't know if it was that or I had bought one of the one of the wonderful, you know, trade paperbacks that would collect a lot of short stories and. I think I, now that I say it out loud, I think that's that that was my gateway. That was my airlock procedure to the okay. non Mignola non Mignola drawn Mignola Legendarium, and I believe it was one of the Richard Corbin stories oh, that saw. made me that, that made me go, "Wow, this is this is pretty Hellboy." I mean, it doesn't look like Mike, but this is this is dead on Hellboy. And I think I went from there, and I started going through all my other trades, and you know, reading the stories that that, that were drawn by people other than Mike, and that led me into the giant <clears throat> Duncan for Grado, the yeah. three miniseries in a row. And I was like, I am so sorry, I did not read this as it was coming out. I mean, it was fun to go like full ass Netflix on it and just read all sure. three of them in in one night, but. <laughs> I really wished I had stretched that experience out over the several years that Mike and Duncan did that because I was like, this is, especially because knowing what I know about Mike, when you get to that stuff where there's all of the, the, the armies marching and there's a dragon on top of a castle, I'm like, Mike wouldn't have yeah. done that. Mike, Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike probably got tired of just typing it out. Of like, and there's an entire army of, you know, <laughs> you know, that's how imp- that's how impatient Mike is. And it's like you hired Duncan for Grado, who is going to draw the living shit out of that, and he yes. did. Yeah. And it was oh, actually, you know what it was that made me. Oh, I now I remember. It's all coming back. Um, the thing that made me go back and read those Duncan for Grado epic stories um was when hellboy and hell came out and i was yeah. like i was like wait how did hellboy die you yeah. know and i i wanted to find out and i didn't know which one of the which one of the trades to start with so i just started from the beginning that's that's what got me away from being such a eh, i'm only gonna read the mic drawn stuff and i'm <laughs> i'm thankful for it because there's so many so many talented people doing stuff that to be honest because mike there's nobody like mike whether you know, right. across the dinner table from you or in the history of comics. So like if I had to draw a Hellboy, like I would have a tougher time finding some sort of, you know, my style is so different than Mike's, but guys like Duncan Fregredo and, and Richard Corbin, specifically those two people, uh, maybe a little Kevin Nolan thrown in there, some P. Craig Russell, um, those those artists allowed me to go. Wait a minute, there is a way to interpret Mike without yeah. make you know because what I didn't want it to seem like you know this isn't Hellboy. These are a bunch of people in Hellboy costumes, right? Yeah, and I wanted to you know I want and like Corbin and and Duncan were like, no, this is Hellboy, and you know maybe you know maybe Corbin's Hellboy has you know ten million more body hairs than Mike would ever draw, <laughs> but it's it still feels like. <laughs> It still feels like Hellboy. 
I did have a, a wonderful moment on the first one on Krampus Knock. I handed in one of the pages, and it's I think it's the page where Hellboy is showing the um, the postcard with the Krampus to the old guy, and the old oh, guy yeah. hands it back. And the editor was like, "Wow, that's got a that's got a nice Corbin feel." Mm-hmm. And I, I inside of me that little the little kid who's on my my interior milk carton, my little missing inner child. Um, <laughs> he just shook his fist and went, yes, you know, like, he got it, you know, and it's like, it was so much easier for me to do an homage to Corbin than I could ever do an homage to Mignola. Right. That's yeah. interesting because we actually had some uh, listener feedback oh, we had, prior. Yeah. That's, we were saying, Hey, if you want to, you know, ask Adam Hughes a thing, uh, Desi Ortego had asked, did you have any trouble translating the stylized body of Hellboy to fit your art style? And like, did you use Ron Perlman's depiction, et cetera? So that I think that some people were kind of wondering like um, about that. And then also Daniel asked, how is it that you draw Hellboy so sexy? Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so well, I there think we that some people were wondering about your, your artistic process yeah. when it came to um, translating Hellboy. So that is fascinating. That's really interesting. Okay, well, this the, I'll, I'll I'll go last to first. The secret to making Hellboy sexy is just proceed with the notion that bicycle shorts don't lie. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know that's that's the secret of his of his magic appeal to women, both you know. Uh, I'm talking about my collar over here. Yeah, you know, but like uh, whether you're celestial, terrestrial, infernal, you sit there and go, oh boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, I, I mean, I struggle with Hellboy even even by the end of of the the Seven Wives Club. There's only one or two drawings of Hellboy in Krampus Knocked, and I think there's only three in Seven Wives Club where I would go, I got it. I, I, I did my Hellboy wow. because because like it's okay it's easy for me to draw Liz or it's easy for me to draw Pauline it's, it's easy for me to draw them because I can sit there and go thank you Mike your abstractions of women I take and I turn them into you know three dimensional hussies yeah um, <laughs> uh, but he- the thing with Hellboy like, like you know like if you if you look up any of my old Hellboy sketches like convention sketches which are pretty much the only times I would ever draw Hellboy apart from that one pinup in the Dark Horse 20th anniversary uh, pinup uh, book I always overthought Hellboy when I drew him because I gave him lips okay. oh I, I gave, see I, I gave Hellboy lips so that he could like you know really just kind of roll his mouth around but when you look at Mignola, when you look at Mignola's Hellboy he's got the head of a Muppet. He's got the head of like Guy Smiley or, you know, Sa- yeah. Sa- Sam the Eagle, where when he talks, he, he's like those Canadian kids from South Park. It's just the bottom, the yeah. bottom jaw, the bottom jaw can go up and down and pivot left and right a little bit. And that is the amount of expression you get out of Hellboy's mouth. You can see I'm struggling with it because like a lot of times, especially in Krampus now, he never looks the same from panel, same from panel to panel. And eventually at a certain point, I was like, okay, here's, I found the Lagrange point between my Hellboy <laughs> and Mignola's Hellboy. And I'm comfortable enough with that. But I will say the one thing that I really felt I got wrong in Krampus Knock was I drew Hellboy too skinny. Um, mm. I, okay. I think that I drew Hellboy built like he was in Hellboy in Hell, which was emaciated right. compared to, compared to this like huge, you know, lumbering, you know, monster with a giant, you know, stone hand. Sure. And I, 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 I feel like I compensated for that a little bit more in, um, in Seven Wives Club, especially because when you, when, you, when the book comes out, you can kind of tell, yeah, 
Yeah, and it's like maybe okay. He spent the maybe Hellboy spent the seventies on a macrobiotic diet or something. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he got a little wiry. Um, but you think he should be a wide boy? Oh, I think yeah, B O I yeah, okay. white yeah boy. yeah um, white boy exactly precisely. He, he should be swole, as the kids yeah. say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. I made him a little more like that in the second one. And hopefully if I ever do another one, I'll just make him just really fat. <laughs> <laughs> just keep a little going bit of a beer belly. Bigger every time. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, it'll be, you know, you know, Hellboy, you know, Hellboy versus diabetes will be my. Uh... <laughs> well, I think the spooky lighting really um, that you, that you put in there, all the shadows and everything really, I think you're giving yourself too hard of a time. Really. Well, I think that it, it worked. <laughs> If not me, then who will? You know, I mean, somebody's <laughs> got to be rough on me. Um, but I thank you for that. And that's the Corbin influence. That's the, you know, Mike. Okay, here's a, here's a, here's another interesting little story. When we get to the end of Seven Wives Club, where um, Hellboy and Pauline are sitting in the little room where the ner- where the seven the seven nurses, you know, kept the body. Yeah. Um, and, so and, spooky, and did... by the way, that scene. What's that? So spooky, by the way. Sorry, I didn't right. interrupt you, but yeah, that's a good scene. Yeah. Yeah, I got really good at drawing cobwebs in that book. Um, the, you know, but like me and Mike, you know, when the f- the fires have gone out from the seven flaming, you know, brides and and uh, everything's been done, you know, Mike had said this is a little circular room off of the basement of this old, you know, medical training school. Mm. And I said to Mike, I said, hey, could I, could I still have some of the candles lit? You know, like like the like the 800 year old candles that have just been sitting in there covered in cobwebs i figured they would be ignited by the real fire created by these these seven ghosts and mike said to me he says i never would have thought of that i says i'd never think about where the hell the light's coming from (laughs) and i'm such a literalist candles in here to light my subjects and he's like oh you think about where the light's coming from yeah you know mike would mike would have just drawn cool drawings of yes. Hellboy and Pauline with like some side lighting and then the background would have just been like some abstract shapes and Mike would have been in and out in five minutes. Yes. Uh, and I, I spent, you know, hours, you know, was sitting there going, okay, well, if there's a candle here and a, and a burning sofa here, you know, and was, it's, agonizing it's, over it. Amazing. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. I love that for you. <laughs> Can you uh, can you talk about the art process on uh, Krampusnot versus Seven Wives Club? Is that pretty much the same process, or how did you approach those two well, stories? We already know that he widened the boy. Yeah, well, you widened <laughs> the boy from that, li- beyond, beyond that. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, widened the boy. That's my that's the name of my uh, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers cover band. <laughs> it sounds like a Chili Pepper song, you oh, know. Um, yeah. It does. Yeah, I mean, you know, like doing. Krampusnacht was very terra incognita and I was just kind of going on instinct. The, sure. the, the benefit of doing, you know, the, the second one, the, the benefit of doing Seven Wives Club was I could look at the first one printed as a real comic book and go, what works and what doesn't work. Uh-huh. And, okay, you know, okay. you know, a, a lot of times that's like an artist doing a painting with a limited palette. You go, I'm only going to use these three colors. Sure. And I'm going to make this painting work just with these three colors. I've and just recently done that. So that's, yeah. Oh, sometimes that right. helps. So, so, yeah, sometimes it, it's a wonderful process of elimination where you go, okay, there's a whole world of stuff I now no longer have to think about because yes. those those avenues of pursuit are not available in this piece. 
limitation creating freedom in that case. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. That's a great way of putting it, you know, and that's exactly how it was. That was the only difference between the, the second one and the first one was I had a better idea of what worked and what didn't work. And I could point to the panels in Krampusnacht and go, that did not work. I will not make that mistake again. That's so that's so interesting that you took that approach, because I think that um, there's there's just not a lot of behind the scenes knowledge about that. So thank you for sharing yeah, that yeah. process. And, that's and, fantastic. And you would think like after you won the Eisner Fort, you might be like, ah, I could do this. You know what I mean? Like- no, but you were like, oh, how can I? come at this better because you're you're all in on this whole universe here so your enthusiasm is so palpable and all of this seems to be a labor of love um for all of the artists and all of the writers and everybody that's involved and so i think that's something that has attracted so many fans to this whole mignola verse and and everybody who's acquainted with it and everybody who's done any art for it so it's it's very clear that you know you even before even work, before yeah. we did this interview that you really did care yeah about it well i, I appreciate that and i think that's that's part of the enduring glory that is Hellboy is it seems like everybody that works on it is into it. Nobody's, nobody's, yeah. nobody's working on Hellboy because they lost a bet. Nobody's, <laughs> you know, nobody's like, Oh, I got to do this Hellboy thing. And while right. I may have tortured, tortured myself unnecessarily, I did it of my own, you know, um, you know, what did Mr. Spock say? If we all have our own self purg- self-made purgatories, mine could be no worse than anyone else's, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, if, 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 if I, yeah, that's right. I just quoted Mr. Spock okay, on the Hellboy okay. podcast. You know, got my nerd, with. got my nerd cred going. Um, Big Star Trek nerd over here. Yeah, right so here, Aubrey's so. loving this. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's, uh, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Is that that's that's why Hellboy has never grown stale. And even though technically you could say, well, his story's over, you know, he completed his task. It's like, uh, uh-uh, we want every square centimeter of his existence <laughs> yes. you know yes. you know i i just a story with him doing this or a story with him doing that and it's like it could be a eight pager it could be a one shot or it could be you know five issues long or something like that um yeah and it, it and it all works it all works and it's it's i mean it's got to be independent comics most you know best success story Oh yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I agree. I mean, I, I think beyond like the Marvel, if you if, beyond Marvel and DC, I think that this is probably the most expansive next universe would be the this Hellboy universe. Or there's so many different titles involved, right? Um, but but it's still you know like you know Stanley and Jack Kirby weren't around for twenty five thirty years making new stuff for right, it, you know. Right. So it's like yeah. the, the fact that Mike is still the the you know you know maniacal ship captain lashed to the wheel (laughs) guiding hellboy's course to this day um and and you know like i mean i've I've bumped into him many times over the years where he's stopped doing hellboy for a while and you could tell he was a little burnt out and then you'll read where he like he gets back to like um i remember he did a convention down here in atlanta back in 2001 or two and he brought with him the pages the pencil pages for um, no, they were photocopies, excuse me, of um, Strange Places. Wow. And wow. he was like, what do you think? And I was like going, Mike, come on. What am I going to tell you? That fish looks wrong? This is gorgeous. <laughs> it's gorgeous and, you man. know, when you read when you read the the genesis of that story at, in, in, the, in the first ch- chapter of the Strange Places trade paperback, he went through a very tortured procedure to get to that 
what you know you asked me the other day via email what are my favorite hellboy stories strange places is always going to be in the top three right yeah, oh, yeah. you know sure. that, he, he scrapped like a ton of pages right from and yeah. started over essentially yeah i mean it was like it started life as a submariner story back when he was when mike was like you know young and full of hair and enthusiasm you know and it, it he turned it into a hellboy story eventually but he it took him multiple attempts to get it right right you know he talks about like how it was not there was an island an island of fungus people and he dearly loves fungus people yeah and i look at it and i go now i go there there is no room in the story for a single fungus person <laughs> um you know it's it's so perfectly pitched and you know i i you know i love one of my favorite things in life i love a perfect line of dialogue one perfect line of dialogue mm-hmm. that either sums up a character in that one bit of dialogue or sums up a story in a single sentence. Like uh, one of my favorite films is Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Yeah. And everything you need to know, who here has seen Lawrence of Arabia? Show of hands. No, classic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Sure. The, the bit at the very beginning where he's putting out the match with his finger and the other, the other uh, soldier tries to do, it. he's like, Oh, you know, bleeding well hurts, you know? And he goes, of course it hurts, you know? And he says, what's the <laughs> trick then? And he says, the trick William Potter is not minding that it hurts, you know? Amazing. Ev- Everything you need to know about the movie right version there. of Lawrence of Arabia. One goddamn sentence. Well, what's the trick then? The trick, William Potter, is not minding that it hurts. Yeah. And in Strange Places, when Malomi, the old, um, you know, the old shaman, the old African mm-hmm. shaman, is pointing Hellboy out to the sea that is calling to him, and he says, um, and he says, and all your roads lead to strange places. I mean, I got goosebumps right now just saying it because it's like, you know, because at that moment when that came out, I mean, all of us, I don't know about you guys, but all of my friends, all of my studio mates, we would be perfectly happy if Mike just kept doing, you know, BPRD X-Files stories. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, and with that one sentence, Mike was telling all of us, oh, no, no, no. We're we're going on the darkest roller coaster ride that you've ever been on, <laughs> and yeah. and he did it with one sentence, and it's just it's so evocative. Wow. Um, I was Man. praying that I was praying that Mike would have another one of those in him for either one of the two stories that I drew. You know, I was like, please, please let me have you, one of your have your character, your signature character, saying one of your signature lines, and um, I think I had him saying boom. In like the end of <laughs> the end of Seven Wives Club, I was like, well, okay, it's a classic. I'll run with yeah. that. Well, yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. That's a classic. We were actually, yeah. uh, we were we were wondering about that because, of course, we get excited about all the nerdy things. We count every boom yes. uh, in the comics. We've been counting every single one, but the special ones are what are the ones where Hellboy actually says it and it appears in the word bubble. Do you, and so I guess you do get it. That was the question I was going to ask: Is do you get excited about those things like? Um, the staples oh, of the universe. Yeah, you're going to have an anatomical model in this story, <laughs> and you're going to get to draw that. You know, th- those are kind of like those some uh, Mignola staples. So um, I guess you do get excited about drawing all those things. Yeah, love. yeah, and, love that. and you, but you know, I was having that discussion today with somebody about this project that I'm doing. Like I told you, I'm doing with Mark Chiarello because mm. um, it's an existing property, and it's very easy to just you know, go out there and be like a Beatles cover band and go, I'm just going to do all the, I'm going to hit every one of the beats. I'm going to hit every one of, I'm going to have a boom and I'm going to have, you know, uh, pancakes and I'm going to have, you know, just like, (laughs) it's, it's cute for about three seconds. And 
there's a little jangly knot at the base of your skull that like tickles when you do it. But you have to be a grown up at some point, a goddamn grown up and go, is this right for this moment? Is this totally. really? Yeah. And I felt that like when when Hellboy hits the the cadaver so hard that he actually splinters him into pieces. I was like, that is a moment for a boom. You yes. know, absolutely. Um, um, I hope that's the one where I wrote the boom and not the earlier punch. But uh, but there you go. Uh, I, I you know what I thought about before we did this is I should reread the stories i should actually yeah. look at them because <laughs> you know like I, I could remember everything so wrong you guys could be sitting there going this guy's off his meds it's like yeah. oh yeah man <laughs> oh, no. the bit where hellboy was disguised as a mime and he was running through the Paris sewers and then like, you're going what the fuck are you on no you've you been know? shockingly accurate this whole time because yeah. we actually do have these right in front of us yes yeah, so we have yeah. um, we're looking at them right now but um, on your your wish list would be to draw a story with liz in it is that right? I would love to. I mean, you know, okay. Mike always knows best. So if there's a reason why he doesn't me drawing Liz, there sure. has to be a good reason. But okay. I, oh, no, great absolutely. Idea. I just mean like if there's like a, a, a they, world where we're if entering you, yeah, into, you get if to you draw could, like something. If you could have your yeah. pick, you know, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I know Mike works with like Christopher Golden yes. and like one mm -hmm. or two other writers. Um, and I always had this, I wanted to pitch this to Mike. Okay. I want to do a one shot where Hellboy goes off to Greece um, and he gets captured by sirens. Love it. And he is, he is, he is completely like gone, you know, radio silence. And they send three female BPRD agents to go rescue him. Yes. And it would be, it would be Pauline. It would be uh, Kate and it would be uh, Liz. Oh, that would be so oh, awesome. Love and the, and the, the weird twist when they get there is, um, uh, you find out one of them is bisexual, so that they actually, uh, they actually are affected by the siren. The oh, siren. they are affected oh, by the siren song. I love yeah. this. Wow, that's you know, and, love to see this. And, and I, I, I was like going, you know, it it's should great. be Liz. It should be Liz because she's stronger than Phoenix. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. if it's like Pauline, it's like, oh no, Pauline, she's got a gun. Yeah, big deal. You know, <laughs> you know, Kate, what's Kate gonna do? Kate's gonna hit you with a book. Um, <laughs> a big book though a, a heavy book. book yeah a big book yeah no and, Liz yeah. is the threat there yeah. amazing but I, I I thought that would be a fun one shot and uh, I would get to draw all the ladies that I wanted to draw I, I mean I will say Incredible. you let me know let me know if I'm running long here because I, I do tend to ramble um, we will stay as long as no, you want to be we're, we're hanging good. out yeah, with yeah, us yeah. we're, we're yeah. absolutely fine let us know I, if it's too I, long. I will warn you I once did a Star Wars podcast for some guys here in Atlanta about 10-15 years ago and I rambled on about Star Wars for so long they had to bust it up into two different broadcasts oh okay <laughs> oh wow you let us know we don't want to infringe on your yeah, schedule we don't, uh, oh, we're, we're my, happy to be here yeah my schedule tonight is like I mean we're we're still this is our first day back from traveling. So today oh is like, gosh. you know, maybe I'll have one shoe on and I'll, I'll call that a win. You know, <laughs> well, thank you just, so much yeah, for being here for with us. We really appreciate sure. that. Yeah. That's so, um, but like you, you want to talk about my input. I, I really glommed on to Pauline in, uh, in seven wives because okay. she really had only appeared in like one or two stories yeah, and maybe three, um, and there wasn't a lot about her. And Mike, you know, I asked Mike, I said, what is she like? Is she pretty? Is she beautiful? Is she, you know, is she a bookworm? Is she whatever? And Mike didn't have a lot of answers. Yeah. And I, in my, and this is in no way canon. This is just what I, when you look at my drawings of Pauline, this is what I came up with in my head. 
is that Paul, Pauline is third generation law enforcement. And okay. both her both her dad and her granddad were Texas Rangers. Well, one was a Texas Ranger and one was a U.S. Marshal. Oh, wow. And, and Hellboy gun- calls her, he calls her Tex at the end, too. Right. Like yeah. shooting Tex, you know. Right. Thank you. For, I didn't notice that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I just kept making her more and more like this sort of lanky, you know, flare jean cowboy boots, you know, sort of like, you know, like I pictured that, the, you know, the gun she uses because it's a revolver. She doesn't use like a state of the art, you know, semi-automatic. She uses a revolver and it's her granddad's, you know, Texas Ranger gun, It's you know, his, his Colt Python. And like, you know, you know, the, the old the old trope of like, you know, the, the kid doesn't want to go into the same business as the parent and that creates a rift. Um, right. I, I thought like, well, the twist is, you know, she says, I'm not going to become a cop. I'm not going to become a ranger. I'm actually going to become a paranormal investigator. And her dad's just kind of like, don't even bother coming home for Thanksgiving. Amazing. And, <laughs> and her granddad's like, here's my gun. You shoot up as many ghosts as you can find. And nice. uh, love it. that's, that's, that's cool. the person that was in my head. Not this sort of, you know, like Mike just drew, she could have, she could have been a librarian who got put out, pushed out of the field. Sure. And I just wanted, I wanted her to be dirty Harriet. I wanted her to be just, you don't, you do not fucking mess with her. I think it came off and, like that. Yeah. 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 I, and you know, I never get to, like, I'll have an idea for a fun illustration that would be really great. Hey, we'll throw it in the sketchbook section. And because I'm so slow, I never get around to it. Um, <laughs> I had this image in my head of Hellboy and Pauline in a crummy little motel room. You know, they're, they're, they're each lying in their beds on either side with their feet are close to us and they've got their heads on their pillows and you can tell by the blue light on them that they're watching TV. And you know, the, the story, um, seven wives took place in 1994. Um, and I, I wanted to have Hellboy like he's got a, he's holding a bottle of beer on his stomach and she's got a bottle of beer on her stomach and he can help saying, so he believes and she's a skeptic and Pauline's going, yeah. And, 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 and Pauline's going, yeah, also she's a doctor. You know, that'd be so awesome. You know, I love the idea that, like, you know, there isn't a lot of money, so their the field agents are not staying at the Ritz Carlton. They're they're staying at an abandoned, you know, Motel Six, which in and of itself is very X Files. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. And uh, I I just love the idea of Hellboy watching his first episode of X Files (laughs) with Pauline over the cheapest beer they could find at the package store down the street after they checked in. I um, love that. And it's just like this little character thing. I, I always think of these little character things and sometimes they can't like none of the stuff I told you about Pauline is canon and none of it made it into the story, but it fueled the way I drew her and the way I, right. I had her, had her carry herself. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I think that's fun. And that's where I get, that's where I get enjoyment out of Mike gets enjoyment out of getting it done fast and getting it off his table before right. he gets bored with it. And I love to, you know, belabor things to death. I also love that you're an X Files fan. Yes, I'm constantly yeah. saying they X-Files need to do like here. a BPRD style show that's just the X Files. Right. Yeah. Right. The BPRD. <laughs> yep. You know, I was just thinking about that the other day. I was thinking about like do you guys remember that X Files touring convention that that Fox put on? Oh man, if only, if only. No, they I don't did, know. I did, oh my god! If only I could have gone they, to that. They did this tour, this tour, Ugh. and you know, like you know, like the only guests they had were like the lone gunman or you know something like that. It was never any of the big stars, but there was this traveling convention. Oh. And their Leggy joined up though at one point. Yes, Wasn't yes, he on the, yeah. Um, and anyway, it was like sorry. all 
all X-Files merchandise, all sorts of fun stuff. They had, you know, like uh, big, all these computers hooked up. It had like a big LAN party playing X-Files games. And they went, their plan was to go to unusual locations around the country. <laughs> like like abandoned air force bases or you know <laughs> and like in atlanta it was like it was a it was an old factory off a train line that at the time was about eight feet from the apartment i lived in oh i was wow. like i'm like trying to find this place going the map says it's like a block from my house and i could get and it was really cool was when you walked in they had set up a maze of filing cabinets what so oh, wow you, you bought your ticket at the front, and then you had to find your way through the maze of filing cabinets. You remember at the end of the, the pilot, there was that sign on the door, um, yeah. and they had that they had a replica of that sign oh. on the entry in, into the convention center. Wow, <laughs> awesome. that is so That's cool! Great. I'm glad to hear that you're a fan of Pauline. You know, one of our listeners asked, "Would you be interested in revisiting that character?" I guess, like, if you had the opportunity, would you want to revisit that character? Or, or I guess you'd want to do other stuff in the universe. We've already no, heard it. Yeah, I, I totally, I, cause you know, like, because that siren well, story. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, that would be, I would be, just, you know, you know, bathing suits at one point. Come on. Um, oh, yeah. But, but the, uh, I, I pictured it ending and then the three of them in bathing suits with Hellboy and he's also in a bathing suit and they're just like in Santorini, Greece going, I'm not going back for a week. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> it, it's, it's Connecticut in December. I'm not going home. Um, yeah. I would love to do Pauline again, especially because. I don't think they've done anything with her since, have they? No, no, no I don't think so. Know? So if I could, you know, to use a cat owner analogy, well, if I get to pee on her a little more and <laughs> that would you be know, your, yeah. 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 Uh, own that character a little it's more. Your character. You know, yeah. It would be sort of like, okay, Mike, Mike created her, but I adopted her, you know? And um, yeah. I totally, cause I, by the end of the story, I only do a good job if I fall in love with the characters yeah. Like, you know, I, I always said that, like, people say, oh, you, you know, you did these Wonder Woman covers and you did these Catwoman covers and how come they're so swell? And it said, well, because each time I developed a crush on the main character. Right. And, you know, it's like people would say, hey, have you checked out those new covers on Wonder Woman after you left? And it's like, no, it's like watching your ex-wife have a dinner with somebody in a cafe. <laughs> you know? It's like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know that she's happy with another artist. After me. Um, and it's, it's, you know, I've always loved Hellboy and I, 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 I grew to fall in love with Pauline that I think you, that's when you get your best work out of me. When somebody yeah. comes up to me and says, Hey, could you draw me a picture of, bleh, and it's a character I loathe. <laughs> it, it really is. It's like the, it's the, it's the sketch commission equivalent of having an abscess break, you know, oh. like, <laughs> like could you please ask for any other character than that? Um, so yeah, there's there, there there's a, a definite love for Pauline that I would love to uh, show her kicking some ass with her size twelve. Nice, nice, nice. That's so sweet. You know, we were talking about staples of the Hellboy universe, and one of the big ones that I think about a lot is when artists get to redraw like another scene from a previous story or something like that do do you have any moments or is there any scenes or that you would like to revisit in a flashback that somebody else drew and you'd like oh huh. I, I would love to take a crack at that that's interesting wow i never i never uh i never pondered that and and i i do happen to i experience that a lot when i look at a comic book and right. i go god this is a great comic book i wish i'd gotten i wish i'd been asked to draw this this looked like it was a lot of fun and, you know, because it would be an insult to the artist that did it, I don't usually publish if I sit down and do a sketch of, like, 
you know, how I would have drawn that panel. Right, I don't want people, right. I don't, I don't want people to go, oh, he thinks he's better. He's trying to do something like that. Um, I did it once with an homage though, and not an insult. I love their work so much that you had to do something with it. That's the intent on my end, but who knows how it's being received on the other end. And I, I would care most about the artist's feelings but then again, there's all the all the nut jobs out on the internet who would take it the wrong way and sure. turn it into something that I would have to waste half a day oh, right. fixing, oh, fix, yeah. fixing. You know, uh, Adam Hughes owns this creator what or whatever. What you know, somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I just don't want to do that. But yeah, there's there've been many times. I can't remember a ton of them in Hellboy though because it's always been done so well. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, yeah. m- most of my reaction. This is the curse of of being a. Um, a professional is I look at something now when it comes out and I go, I either go, I think I could have done that a little better than that. I would have done that differently. Or I look at it and go, geez, I, that never would have occurred to me that solution. Holy moly. That is brilliant. And I got to say 99.9% of the time with Hellboy, it's always the latter. It's always me going, that solution to that. Oh my God. That's so great. You know, I will I will say that there was a moment in Krampus Noct near the end when after the the Krampus has been reduced to a uh, a goat that may or may not have been Krampus. Who knows? Yeah. Um, or and just I got the to draw goat the, that thought he was Krampus, right? Uh, the goat that thought he was Krampus, you know, and uh, that's the children's that's the children's <laughs> book version of this when we do the like, <laughs> you know. It's a little flip book with a little little tabs you pull out and things pop up and down, you know. Oh look, children children's skulls made out of cardboard. Pop pop pop. The when I got to draw the BPRD headquarters, it was like at the bottom of page twenty one or yeah. something like that. Page mm-hmm. twenty, and you know, Mike Mike Mignola will never be accused of like you know enjoying drawing buildings in perspective, <laughs> you know, and whenever he. Whenever he drew the Connecticut, um, you know, the first BPRD location, the falling guess, yeah, falling water. It was he was doing uh, uh, he was doing uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's falling water, and he literally would just draw enough of it to notice. <laughs> you know <laughs> what it is. You know what it is, and if you saw it again, and and any time, whether it was Dunk, when it was Duncan or somebody else, they would always kind of draw that same shot as Mike. And I said, no, I'm going to pull back and show you what the whole building looks like. Amazing. And I'm going to yeah. cover it with snow. You know, it's going to be like the best snowfall you've ever wished for for a Christmas Eve. And um, so at that moment, I felt like I was doing that one archetypal oh, BPRD okay. nice. Yes. Nice. But nice. I, I was that like, question. Yeah. Yeah. So but like never. No, there hasn't been a moment where I, I I've I felt like I got to uh, do a um, like a classic iconic moment like like hellboy punching the vampire jirescu and his horse and they both instantly turn into skeletons yeah you know? <laughs> my favorite you know it's like it's like yeah i guess if somebody asked me to like hey we need to flash back to that i could enjoy that for a little while but it's never going to look as cool as the way mike did it so yeah, it's like yeah it, sure. it really sure. it would you know but I think it is like uh, that when you when you see that it's it's that the artists need to reference something else in order to tell the current story right, that they're telling, right, and so yeah. they right. they're like, ooh, like I we always picture it as like, oh, I get to draw the black flame or something like yeah, that, and I yeah. just we always wonder like, how psyched <clears throat> do y'all get to to do stuff like that? Like, I can't believe I get to draw this panel. Mm-hmm. You know, if if it ever happens moving forward, you guys will be the first to know. 
Okay. I will, oh, nice. Excellent. So, I will let you. Hey, I, on, on, on that, I'll tell you one time. I did a, um, I did a radio, a radio show back in the 90s i think uh me and some 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 colleagues were doing a store signing at a comic book store in birmingham alabama and you know sometimes Mm. sometimes people that work in radio are there for well they're there for a reason you know they're okay sure sometimes sometimes they are brilliant people and sometimes they're doing morning radio because they're not they're not funny (laughs) enough for television or they're not funny (laughs) enough you know and I was I was doing this thing, and it was it was two guys and, and a woman, and the woman was obviously like she had her all her typical comic book artists are just adult nerds jokes okay. written up. Wow! And, and um, <laughs> they get the guys are saying, "Hey, we were here with Adam Hughes and such and such. They're they're down at such and such comics today, and you know, like um, you know, hey Adam, how's it going? I'm like, oh, it's doing great, it's doing great. And they're saying, asking me about this appearance stuff like that. And this woman chimed in with one question, saying saying have you ever touched a breast wow that's rude <laughs> and you know the guys kind of chuckle and i said i said well i said you know no but but when i do i'm sure you'll be the first to know no okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the two guys the two guys with her fell out of their chairs laughing and she didn't say a single word for the, the remaining 20 no. minutes of the interview what should she <laughs> You know, that, that just reminded me of that, that moment. It's like, you know, um, I, if, I mean, and the funny thing is, here's the funny thing. If I ever get to do another Hellboy story and there is a moment where they say, Hey, could you, you know, to show the readers, you know, could you please show this moment like Hellboy coming, you know, as a child into that church in 1944 or this, you know, whatever Hellboy moment I have to sort of reinterpret for a, a story right. purpose. I'm going to, th- I'm going to think about you guys. Cause I'm going to go, that's never occurred to me until they brought it up. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Awesome. So. I have a, I have a couple more questions here. Is that okay? We're a little over on time. I'm, I'm doing great. I mean, oh, okay. Excellent. We really appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much oh. for your, for your time tonight. So, Thanks. uh, you recently talked with our good friend Mark Tweedell for Multiversity.com. Mark Tweedell. Um, Book club member. Yes. Uh, and you, uh, when you were talking with Mark, you described each illustration of Hellboy as taking a hill in the Korean War. One of our listeners was asking, um, what do you like drawing about Hellboy? Is there anything that you like drawing? Is it, is it always right? Do you ever go back and go, oh, I really love drawing his tail wagon or something like that. <laughs> Gosh. I mean, the, the, like I said, Hellboy for me is, is a struggle. All the characters around him are fine, you know, and it's just like, if I draw Hellboy completely in my own style, he's got lips and, and like far too much, far too much hair and it's not right. But if I draw him exactly like Mike, then all of a sudden you're in this weird Roger Rabbit universe where there's all of Adam's like very kind of, you know, naturalistic people. And then there's this guy with a Muppet mouth, you know, and you're like, they, they don't, he, he doesn't look like he's in the same space as them. He looks like he's been composited right. in or whether this is like a jam drawing. So I, I think the thing I like the best is because Mike has created such a dark shadowy world mm-hmm. that, that whenever you're, whenever you're confounded, you're like, yeah, Hey, all artists, you have a good day. You have a bad day. You know, when I have a good when in day, doubt, I draw. Black it out. When in doubt, black it out. That is the code. You know, that is the that is the credo. And um, you know, Hellboy. Like if I was, you know, like if I had a bad a bad day on Betty and Veronica, I couldn't suddenly throw Betty and Veronica into harsh Mignolian shadows. You know. <laughs> uh, but with Hellboy, no, you know, I like to see that. Oh well, you know, it's funny too because uh, um, uh, when I did, when I was doing Betty and Veronica, 
that sounds wrong. Um, when I was drawing <laughs> Betty and Veronica, so I did a convention and somebody asked me to like list my credits. And I, I wrote uh, Justice League, Catwoman, Wonder Woman, yeah. this, that, and the other thing, uh, Hellboy, Betty and Veronica. And because of the way it, the, the paragraph or the, the sentence broke when they put it in there, it looked like there was a comic book called Hellboy, Betty and Veronica. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the Archie crossover. And and I, I looked at that in their convention book and I went, oh, could we? <laughs> could we do this? You know, yes. Hellboy comes to Riverdale or like Betty and Veronica have the world's worst field trip. Beautiful. You know? uh, <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, you know, awesome. Because can, well, can you, you picture the difference like, quite well? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, can you picture like in one panel, Hellboy's punching like a mummy or a werewolf or something, and he's screaming "boom," and Veronica is jumping into Betty's arms, and Veronica's got the exact same size word balloon, and it just says "shriek." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, that. That's the kind of that's the kind of comic that writes and draws itself. Nice. <laughs> awesome gorgeous one of the things that we always talk about is like the continuity among the books and so um one of our listeners Hulix, asked so there's another short story called mood swings it's from the same christmas are you aware of that story it's by omin as well right um, right i did i did see that after after i did my story and i thought that it was incongruous yeah well they're wearing the same i guess what's interesting is that you and omin both draw liz and broom in the same outfits so we were wondering, like, right. were there were there character sheets, or was there somebody kind no. of like? No, Mike, Mike probably just Mike probably just looked at the last two pages of Krampusnacht, and you know maybe Mike or one of the editors said, you know, hey, this takes place on the same night. I thought that was a little bit because here's the thing: I thought that the end of Krampusnacht, when they're sitting in front of the fireplace. I just felt that like that adventure that Hellboy had with her in the in the Oming story, it didn't seem to fit either either right before or right after. Right. You know, because like in in my story, Hellboy is doing a sort of after action report with Trevor Broom. And in the Oming story, I was like, well, they should have talked about it by then. They Like if, if they're out in the outside having an adventure with Liz. Oh, sure. Right. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. it just, you know, but it's not my universe. So I just have to, you know, sort of shut up and sure. And keep <laughs> shut up, shut up and keep shoveling. Um, there you go. But yeah, it's sometimes that happens too, especially when you're jumping all over the map. Uh, time. Yeah. Wise. Right. Right. And that, I mean, the Hellboy universe definitely does that. So. Yeah. Yeah. We sort of have to smudge the lines a little bit in right. our brains. Yeah. Um, one of our other listeners, Matt LDP asked, uh, would you be interested in drawing a second Ghost Hellboys team up? So is it, there yeah. was a Ghost, there was a Ghost Hellboy team up. Uh, it, it was right after I think you left the Ghost comic. Were you aware of that that there was a, a Ghost excuse, Hellboy? <clears throat> excuse me, right after I was fired from the oh. Ghost. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I did not, I did not leave of my own volition. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was, I was actually you know, young and naive. And I was pretty bent out of shape when they had a ghost Hellboy crossover and I was not asked. I was just yeah, like, going, yeah. Oh, come on. You know, I want to draw Hellboy. Oh, if they did another one, I would, I would knock, knock down doors and, and follow people to their homes and do whatever it takes <laughs> to, to at least get some covers out of it. You know, I would, I would sure. love to do that. Those, those are two characters that are great together. So do you read all the comics or do you read like the related titles, BPRD? And it's, it, I mean, it sounds like you're a fan of Liz. I mean, do, do you read all yeah. the Witchfinder, Lobster Johnson, all that stuff? 
I try to. I don't. I don't get them all because, gosh, there are a lot of them. And yeah, uh, <laughs> I, That's what we're here for. I, I sound enthusiastic, but like if it involves getting up from a Barca lounger, I usually will go no, no. <laughs> um, like if I'm at a convention or a comic shop and I see a Witchfinder comic that I haven't read before, I'll go woo, and so it's like a little treat. Yeah, you know, I, I, I do. I do think that I would probably go a little spare if I was actively hunting them down, and right. it's it, it's worked for me th- thus far. You know, like, you know, back in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, you sit there and go, oh, I did not know that they did a, you know, a miniseries about this background character. Hey, the art looks pretty cool. I'll give it a shot. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden you've got something to read in your hotel room at a con. (laughs) Nice. Um, I did love the Witchfinder stuff. All that, all that Edward Gray story, story (laughs) storyline stuff. uh, I would just like. That's one of the ones where, because I I love drawing Victorian stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked. We talked earlier about, you know, not peeing in somebody else's low main <laughs> by redrawing their comics and then showing the world. Right. The only right. time I the only time I ever showed anybody any stuff like that was when I um I redrew a couple of panels or a couple of pages from the first League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because I, I was like, I love this comic. I wish I'd gotten to draw this comic. I'm gonna draw this these panels for fun as a warm up. Oh. And I liked them so much that I included them in one of my little sketchbooks and then people put them online and I'm going I don't want to hurt Kevin O'Neill's feelings. I don't want to be a, a dick. But the Witchfinder stuff, I was like, oh, this is everything I like in life. I was yeah. like, was it was it was it Ben Templesmith that that uh, that drew that first one? Um, uh, I think it was uh, Ben Stenbeck. Ben Stenbeck, thank you. Yes, My yeah. apologies to both Bens. Um, <laughs> and he did such a glorious job, and the colors were magnificent, and it was perfect. But I was like, oh, they're drawing. You know the Heliopic Brotherhood of Ra. Yeah. And there's a gyp. There's like, oh, they, he got to draw a sarcophagus. Fuck him. You know, <laughs> like, all, all these things that would just been such a blazing fun to work on. And um, yeah, so it's like you know when something like that sort of wanders into my field of view, like I'm, like I'm a Martian, you know, like I'm a Martian rover, and like <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for science to just come in front of me. I don't really want to go find science myself. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's so much to the, you know, the Mignola legendarium that it's like, I'll never, I'll never be, you know, poor for stuff to discover. Sure. Yeah. I gotta say though, I, I can't, I'm sorry, I keep harping on this, but if, if I, if I illustrated something and I saw that you redrew it in your style, that would be just the highest compliment. Yeah, I would yeah. be like, oh, wow, but that's I think, so cool. But, but I also think you have a point in that the internet would turn it into something. Yeah. They would go yeah. like, oh, now I mean, it's yeah. this person versus yeah. this person. Well, haters are so, going to hate, yeah. but I think that, you, you know, that's that's something, I guess that's an over-under. You have to yeah. decide for yourself if you want right. that kind well, of I mean, you in know, your life at that point in time. If it's if it's me drawing something of yours and it's and, and you understand the compliment, Right. In that. If I publicly a- reposted, like, wow, what a huge compliment. Yeah. Thanks, Adam Hughes. You know what I mean? I think that would probably yeah. squash any like made up beef. Yeah, but if 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 one of those people that saw it took it the wrong way and then they went and burned a cross into my lawn, then <laughs> then no I have fun, to clean no fun for you. Right. Yeah, I, I that's a mess I have to clean up, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's I've 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 so gotten to the point over the years where the internet was like, I don't even want to take a chance on creating no. a mess I have to clean up. I feel it. I feel that. Sure. Yeah. What a shame. Now, uh, but now I remember what I was going to ask earlier. So, you know, you were saying that you're uh, under Marvel or w- with your with your current position that 
you have certain projects that you're allowed to do. Are you allowed to do more Hellboy? Could you do more Hellboy if, if the opportunity arose? Probably not, but they don't seem to be paying attention to what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, like, um, you Would it know, be a slap on the wrist kind of a thing? Would it just be like, hey, okay, Adam yeah. Hughes, don't do that again. <laughs> a slap on the wrist with a big white gloved hand with three fingers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Adam, don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, I, you know, it's like I don't want to – I mean, I'm, I'm working with some great people, and I don't want to get them in any hot water. So I, I try to keep it just to the Marvel stuff right now. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm just old enough to know to, – to, to feel that, like, there's always next year. There's always the year after that. Yeah. You know, um, you know, there've been things that I've wanted to do my whole career that I haven't gotten to. And uh, sometimes I get to do them. You know, sometimes it, it takes 20 years, but I go that same sort of patience I have for when new Hellboy stuff comes out. It's like, I'll find it when I find it. It's like, okay, well I'll, I'll, I'll tick off that, you know, Indiana Jones comic I always wanted to do, or I'll I'll finally get to draw that X Files comic I always wanted yes. to do. It'll ha- it'll happen someday. It'll okay. happen when, nice. when it's meant that would be incredible. You've got Danielle's dying over here. Danielle's dying over here. Oh my god! Oh my god! I want to see that X-Files so comic. bad. Um, I, I know that you have a Rocketeer project coming out soon, right? Yes, yes, it comes out either in April or May, depending on you know the the vagaries of the printing press. That's gonna be um, awesome. Yeah, I was part of a, a, a documentary that, about the late Dave Stevens, who was one of my great, great art heroes. And, you know, I'm proud to call him acquaintance. Uh, we oh, never got wow. to be good friends. We never got to be friends, but we were always he was always super nice to me. And, um, you know, he put up with all my fanboy nonsense <laughs> and um, a mutual friend of both Dave's and mine put together this documentary and they. They filmed all these different people that knew Dave. Uh, it's available online right now, but they did a Kickstarter. You know, the, it was really bizarre that when they came to film me and they filmed me in my studio, they, you know, they came from LA. They came to the, they went up and down the East Coast, hitting all these other people that knew Dave for their stories. That's so and they, nice. they were the first people I saw apart from my wife since COVID hit. And all of a sudden, I've got eight eight people in my studio. Wow. Everybody's wearing wow. everybody's everybody's wearing masks, and I was just like, "Oh, did I do something? I shouldn't have done this. We should have done done this over the phone." Um, but I did this documentary. But they also wanted to do a, a commemorative comic uh, to go with the release of the Blu-ray version, because like you can you can go watch it right now online. Right. But there's only going to be one printing of. They did a Kickstarter for this. There's going to be one printing of a hard copy. Oh, and, oh um, wow. And they wanted this comic to go with it. And they asked me to participate. And I was like, yeah, I have to do this. I have yes. to do this. And uh, I had said yes to it before I started working for Disney. So it, technically it was – it was the Disney people are so nice. They, they were like – they allowed me to give them a list of um, pre-existing commitments. And they said, you know, take, as long as you're not – not as long, not as long as it's not during your forty hours of the week for us, you can do whatever you want with us. So I did this eight-page Rocketeer story. I, I I I drew it, penciled it, inked it, and colored it, just like the Hellboy stuff. Wow! It was written by uh, Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo, who are the two guys who wrote the screenplay for the nineteen ninety-one Rocketeer film. Oh wow! wow. Cool. Ironically, released by Disney. You know, yeah. so it's all <laughs> right. it's all one tiny little world. Now, sadly, um, Paul like Dave has left us, but I got to work with, with Danny on it. Beautiful short story. It was wonderful. I provided two covers, one 
an, an A cover for the because it's good. You'd be able to buy it in a comic shop, right? You know, but there's a, a variant version where the second cover by me that only comes if you uh, bought the Blu-ray off the the Kickstarter. Oh, it's like an exclusive oh, Kickstarter nice. thing. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Yes, yes. And I've always wanted to work on Rocketeer. I talked, you know, before Dave, before we even knew Dave was sick, he he died of leukemia. Um, before we even knew he was sick, he was talking to people about doing a Rocketeer anthology where other people would work on it. And he and I talked about it, and never nothing ever came of it, but. You know, he was stunned. He was like, "You want to draw it?" And I was like, oh. "Yes, idiot. I want to draw your hair." <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Um, well, that's so, yeah, cool. That. That, that is so awesome. You finally get to come back around and do that. Yeah, that's yeah. That's really yeah I mean, I consider myself extremely fortunate because, you know, as I get older, I'm so much, I'm so dead inside, and I don't love anything anymore. Um, <laughs> I but I've gotten to draw all the things that I have loved, and I've, I've worked on Star Trek. I've worked on Star Wars. You know, I've done stuff with Tomb Raider. I've done stuff with the Rocketeer. I've done stuff with, you know, my favorite superhero, which is Captain America. You know, I've gotten to draw. I've gotten to write and draw Superman. You know, it's like I wow. really have been very lucky. And the Hellboy stuff is definitely a part of that. You know, I never thought that I would get to participate, and I got to participate twice. And you know, and 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 to be fair, I'm stunned when anybody wants to work with me a second time. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I, I consider myself very blessed. Well, so we're awesome. all we're all better yes. for it as yes. well. We're we're glad that you yeah. got a chance to do that too. Really amazing work. We really enjoyed those two issues. Plus the the covers that you were able to put out for some of the trade paperbacks yes. as well oh, have yeah. been amazing. Um, well, and, and and I think Aubrey had a had a question for you here. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but we also do another podcast called Book Club Member Comics, and uh, we just read a whole bunch of different comics. And I was wondering if you had any um, comics that you've written or drawn that you would like us to read on there. Yeah, or you would recommend oh. to someone who's maybe not is uh, super familiar with your work. Yeah, and we'll get Jeez. into it. I, I don't. That's weird. I mean, I, I suffer from what I call retail amnesia, mm. which is, you know, you're sitting at home going, "Oh my god, I need, I need a, a, a gallon of milk, a loaf of bread, and a carton of eggs," and then you walk into the supermarket and you're like, "I, I." Did I need food? Yeah. You know, why am I here? <laughs> why am I here? And that a lot of times when some when people ask me to name lists of things, sure. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite? What's your favorite music? What's your favorite? You know, comic book. What what if, what of yours that you've worked on? Would you like people to read? I immediately draw a gigantic blank. This happens to me a lot. Oh, okay. Right? A lot. <laughs> if right? this is something that you could maybe message to us, oh, if yeah. you have a chance to think about it once you've had oh. a good night's sleep or something yeah. like that. Oh. I will lay in bed tonight and then every answer will occur to me and I will wake up like Gary Oldman's Dracula. I will just, I will, I will, I will stand up in bed from the heels and go, you know, <laughs> we love that movie but, on our, yeah. on our other podcast. We actually just did we a commentary. Did we did a commentary for that movie because we yeah. loved it so much. And also Mignola did the, did the adaptation yes. of it. So we talked about uh, that too. Mike um, told so, me what Mike, Mike told me a bunch of amazing stories about his time working on that. Oh, oh man. Wow. man, that's cool. Yeah, save yeah. it for the next. Save it for we'll the next. Save one. it. Uh, but I do remember because you know um, I went and saw it with my studio mates from Gaijin Studios, and this was back in the time when being cruel to Keanu Reeves was a thing. Right. Yeah. And what, what that does fuck? not that that does not yeah. And I mean, not okay. You know, you're, you're, yeah, it's not okay, and you're, you know, especially nowadays. You know, it's like you're going, no, no, you, you know, keep him safe at all costs. Yeah, <laughs> protect this boy. But, but I, you know, you, 
you're, you're like in your mid twenties, you're an asshole. You're sitting there with your asshole studio mates and you're like, you know, you you riff on movies while you're watching them, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, and I, sure. I remember, I remember that we were watching Bram Stoker's Dracula and every time Keanu Reeves had a line of dialogue, one of us, oh. after he finished the line of dialogue would go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen many strange things already. Bloody wolves chasing me through some blue inferno. He's doing his best, best Jonathan Hark. He's like, I have seen many strange things. And one of us is like, dude. (laughs) (laughs) The theater was just empty enough that we had fun, you know, and I wouldn't do it. This day I would do it. I'll tell you another uh, bit of Keanu Reeves cruelty. Um, He, he, you know, and bless him. I mean, bless him. I mean, he is always. He's he's, an amazing guy by all accounts. By all accounts. And if he's sometimes taken on parts that are a little outside his, uh, his comfort zone, you know, God bless him for having the balls to try to different stuff. I was watching a different movie with him in it where he had a British accent and he sounded fine. So I don't know if this was just a situation where he was just too in his head about it or something. (laughs) You know, I, I don't know, but. Well, it's also, it's like, you know, when you make a movie and somebody else in the cast is actually right for your part, that doesn't help. And I thought mm. that Carrie Elways, who played, you know, oh. Lord Arthur Homewood, Carrie Elways, I was like, going, no, that's, that's Jonathan Harker. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got it backwards. Interesting. You know? uh, well, it's, it's like, it's like when you're watching a movie and two of the characters on screen decide to watch Casablanca. Oh. Okay. And, you know. Unless you're Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner, <laughs> don't don't fucking dare remind people in the middle of your movie that Casablanca exists. Because <laughs> if your movie does not have them in an advanced state of grippedness, they're going to sit there halfway through your movie and going, "Man, I I'd rather be rewatching Casablanca." I know, right? <laughs> right. So, like, if there's another actor or actress in your point. film that, like, actually would be better for the part, you shouldn't do it. Um, but Keanu Reeves made a film with Kenneth Branagh called "Much Ado About Nothing." Yes, it's a yes. Shakespeare adaptation, and Keanu Reeves played the heavy. Yes, and I saw it at an art theater here in Atlanta, packed house. It was really great, a fine movie. You know, uh, Emma Thompson was in it. A whole bunch of people. Um, and sadly, oh, I'm so glad that we're in the Kianessance because he deserves every great thing in life. Yes. Um, because we're sitting there watching the movie and his he's playing the bad guy. And he, Denzel Washington was in it. Um, uh, Keanu Reeves' first line of dialogue in the film was, I am a man of few words, right? And he got a standing ovation. <laughs> Everybody in our theater left their seats and applauded. Keanu Reeves starting the film out by saying he's not going to say much. <laughs> oh, I thought he was. I thought he was all right in that. Yeah, and it's like, and you know what? He's great. He is so great, and he's like, he's like Mignola. He's his own thing, you know. Yeah. And, and but now, you know, twenty five, thirty years later, it's just a funny little stupid anecdote. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, for I sure. regret it. You know, uh, I'm I'm so I'm glad for every single thing good. That happens to him now. Yeah. Uh, you know. uh, so there you go. Yes. Well, mm. awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us um, and talking about Hellboy. I really appreciate it. And you know, we talked about your Rocketeer comic. Is there anything else that you want to plug right now, or anything else? I guess you, you can't really talk about your stuff that's going on at Marvel, right? 
Right. But remember, remember my story three hours ago. Yeah, you about, just said about this yeah. earlier. We did this earlier. <laughs> yes, well, we got the we got the Rocketeer plug out of the way already. Yeah. There you go. Right. But like, you know, this would be the ideal moment for me to like, you know, scare up work. Uh, no, I, I can't. I can't talk about what I'm doing over at Marvel Studios Animation, but it's 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 cool stuff. And uh, occasionally, here and there, you might see a comic thing or two from me. I've got to go do a, uh, a Marvel cover next week, so uh, I'm still keeping my. You know, I I keep my my toes in the comic book world just in case I get fired from Disney. So sure. <laughs> well, and we're definitely be listening for that project with Mark Chiarello. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. So, trying to think of some subtle way to allude to it that you three would understand that everybody else wouldn't get, but you know, retail, retail amnesia, not, no joke is coming to mind. Yeah. So, but anyways, this has been so great. You guys put on a wonderful podcast. Thank you so Thank very, you. very much for ha- having me on board. Oh, Anytime. Thank you. Yeah. Anytime. The, the ours. Yeah. We'd love to yeah. have you back on again. You know what? I'll go do another Hellboy comic just so we have something to talk about. There you nice. go. We yes. can have you on book club members if you'd like. We can yeah. talk about anything. We can talk over about there. anything over there. So yeah, we'll definitely be reaching out to you again. And I really appreciate your time. This thank has been an so awesome much. interview. All right, thank you, Adam Hughes, for joining us today. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had so much fun. I just couldn't believe it. Uh, we want to know what you guys thought. You can send us a "Hey, you damn guys" at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website, our Facebook About section, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. Next week, join us at Book Club Member Comics, where we'll be reading Superman for the Man Who Has Everything from Superman Annual 10 by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Nice. Uh, so, you, so you guys know what to do. Welcome back, Issues, Trades, Digitals. Get on that digital app. Maybe pull it out of a old long box and join us at Book Club Member Comics. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Hellboy with Lips. I'm Aubrey Loveless. And I was Adam Hughes. <laughs> awesome. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.